have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Fanalist.pod. Sean Ramachandran here with you, joined by Rohan Naranjan and a sight for sore eyes. Yash Doshi is finally here. We are doing an NBA podcast, and I hope you guys know why, because if you don't, then I don't know why you're even listening to this podcast or following the NBA. Uh, this is what the NBA is all about, blockbuster trades, and Donovan Mitchell is a Cleveland Cavalier. Uh, like, I, I don't know. Like, what is going on in the NBA? I mean, they they never fail to, like, every offseason never fails us. You know, every offseason we're going to get some kind of drama. I thought all the attention was going to be, you know, on Kevin Durant. Where's Kevin Durant going to be going with his trade requests and all that stuff going on over there? That, you know, this was kind of something that we were like, okay, Donovan Mitchell trade, it's probably possible. And the Knicks look like the front runners all along. And quite frankly, just two or three days ago is when I tweeted out, like, a report saying that, the Cavs are out of the sweepstakes for Donovan Mitchell because they just were not willing to give up Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and, you know, um, amongst other key players. And they didn't do that. They went a different direction. They gave Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, uh, their lottery pick this year, three first round picks and two pick swaps for Donovan Mitchell. So the Jazz are obviously adopting the OKC formula to say the least stacking up on draft picks, but I will say this, I am a little bit pissed given the fact that the Jazz have had a far better return than OKC got for Russell Westbrook and Paul George at the time for win-now talent and a roster that can actually compete in a West, you know, compete for a playing spot, compete for a bottom seed in the West. So I honestly, from the get-go, I'm going to say this is a win-win trade to say the least, but sure, things could be tipping in the Cavs' favor because Donovan Mitchell is, I'm not going to say a generational talent, but he's a superstar to say the least. I just want to start off, I'm so happy. Happy to be back. NBA season is back. Well, and, we're, we you know, love to have you here, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, I might join some NFL podcasts soon. With that is not happening. Do not do not be bringing up the hopes <laughs> of any of our listeners or both of us on this podcast. I don't think anyone wants me on there anyways. I, I got the NBA knowledge for you guys, so I'm so excited. because <laughs> Mitchell to the Cavaliers. I think none of us ever expected that. I know I absolutely did not. Like Sean said, we thought he was going to the Knicks, but the Knicks, as usual, they're the front runners, if you know what I mean. And they think they're getting every free agent, every trade market, tra- trade target. And as usual, they thought Donovan Mitchell would have been a good fit. And I personally think that he would have been a good fit in New York because of his love for New York, his fit in the city, and the fact that they needed a star. But at the end of the day, the Cavs are the one that really put their foot forward and they went all in after I think the Cavaliers front office saw what they did last year with Evan Mobley and how good of a talent he is. Sean, you said um, generational superstar. I don't think Donovan Mitchell is that, but I do think Evan Mobley is that generational superstar that the Cavs management found. And they said, we're going all in because we know he's that guy. Get another generational star, star, whatever you want to call it, Donovan Mitchell. He's really, really good at the game of basketball. And if you don't remember, he dropped 60 in the bubble. So he has that playoff experience. He's going to take these young Cav boys to the next level. I don't want to say he's going to take them to the promised land yet. We'll get into if they're championship contenders in a bit. But for sure, this is a huge, huge step forward for a franchise that, if you really think about it, outside of LeBron, the Cavs have done nothing ever. So this is personally a really big step forward for a franchise that obviously has not been very successful outside of that one super duper star. So I think that hopefully Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, 
um, Darius Garland and this really deep roster can take them at least to the second, third round and pay, pay dividends, not just to the management and organization that believes in them, but for the city of Cleveland, who haven't really ever had much to celebrate except for that 2016 championship, which I don't even want to bring up because it was kind of fake. Yeah, but I, I think, uh, like Sean was saying, I think it's relatively even on both sides. I think that, you know, like uh, Sean was saying, Danny Ainge is becoming kind of, you know, re reverting back to what he did with Boston, um, you know, when they were giving away Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, uh, Ray Allen, and just trying to accumulate mass talent, which eventually lent, lent, led to, you know, getting Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They're acquiring those picks. I think they have 15 picks in the next seven drafts. So, you know, Utah is going into full rebuild mode. Danny Ainge is using those GM skills that he's acquired before. Um, but with what the with this trade, I think the Cavs, they gave up the 2025 first round pick, 2027 and 2029 first round pick, and then two other pick swaps. But I don't think those picks will be that big of a deal if Cleveland is who we think they're going to be in the next five years. They have a strong young core under, you know, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, um, Jared Allen as well. And now you're adding Donovan Mitchell, uh, like, you guys know I'm a big Donnie guy. I don't know if he's a superstar, but he's a guy who can definitely elevate your team one way or another. He's a great scorer. I just hope that, you know, um, his presence doesn't affect Darius Garland's playmaking, which, you know, he kind of uh, exceeded expectations last season. But I think it should be a good fit. Um, the only concern I have for Cleveland right now is if they gave up too much, uh, if they're sacrificing too much defensively in their uh, front backcourt, because, you know, both Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell aren't known for their defense, but hopefully they can develop into at least decent defenders like we've seen with other young guards who, you know, progress in their careers. You know, Steph is one example. He used to be a terrible defender. Now he's, you know, at least can stay on the court and hold his own. So hopefully Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland in like five years can become that defensive presence. Uh, and, you know, we know their scoring is off the chart, playmaking is off the chart. But for playoffs, I mean, I'll just start off the discussion. I think for this season, I predict the Cavs to be a top five seed if we think they are already last season i know they had a heartbreaking play in tournament they just missed the playoffs i think honestly without the injuries they would have been in the playoffs don't know if they would have made it out of the first round but that's a different story um but this year i think that you know you get evan mobley second year a little experience under his belt you're getting jared allen back and hopefully the team's healthy enough for where they can really make serious run because i think they can make the second round for sure i don't know about past that just because of how young they are but Having a talent like Donovan Mitchell, and he's proven to be a superstar in the playoffs. I think he, he's averaging like 28 in his career playoff stats. Um, so that's going to be great for them, and I hope that they can go far because this is a young team, which I'm starting to love. I think the thing about this trade is that when you look at it and you see Donovan Mitchell like in a different uniform, it's just, it's just pretty surreal. I think that any superstar – well, again, we keep referring to him as a superstar. I know it's a very loose term to refer to Donovan Mitchell like that. I think he like, is. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, like, he's not he there. That's close. the thing. It, it, it because when, you, when I hear – look, when I hear Donovan Mitchell – okay, like, let's – I don't want to get into this debate, but when I hear Donovan Mitchell, I'm thinking guys like, okay, like Jason Tatum kind of level or, like, you know, guys at that level, Jalen Brown. Like, it's just, it's just household names, I feel – with respect to the franchise and where he is in his career. So, you know, he's a young guy um, and everything like that. So I just think that like looking at this with the change of scenery, the expectation for Donovan Mitchell is that he's going to be competing for a championship in, in a more like I'm talking about like Utah was remember, we would always talk about Utah as the great regular season team. They go to the playoffs and, and they're out. Like it's just, it's just that simple. Like the first round, second or whatever it is, they fail to progress past that for so many years that Donovan Mitchell has been there all of a sudden the Cavs like Josh was saying 
like now they have Donovan Mitchell, kind of like a leader in that in that locker room, I feel to say the least. And they haven't really had that presence since like a LeBron or a Kyrie was was there. So I feel like with that and the supporting cast they have with Evan Mobley, Darius Garland as well. Like it's just it's just going to be great for Cleveland, obviously to say the least. I don't know if they're going to be a top five seed, but I think they should avoid a plane and definitely secure a playoff spot. That's going to be interesting. But I want to talk about the Knicks side of things over here. There's a very interesting thing that just came up right now. New York apparently offered Utah um, this trade package for Donovan Mitchell, including RJ Barrett, Abby Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, three unprotected first and three unprotected first round picks. And Utah turned that That's down like at the time. Entire franchise. Exactly. They they yeah. offered that in early July when talks first transpired, and Utah said no. We want more, or like we can do better than this, which has now resulted in R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson obviously resigning in New York with with monster extensions or deals. So it's very interesting that Utah kind of looped back to everything, and we're like, okay, New York, like what do you have to offer? And the thing is, when New York was kind of putting R.J. Barrett in a package they were like, all right, you're not going to get as many picks from us. And then all of a sudden the Cavs, they obviously had the assets. I feel Colin Sexton was never going to be a Cavalier. And the fact that they could include him in a sign and trade really probably pushed the needle for Utah to be like, you know what? We just traded Pat Beverly, which we will get to at the end of this podcast in a bit um, to the Lakers that they can now get Colin Sexton. They have a nice ball handle over there. And, you know, I feel like Utah can obviously still compete in the West as well. So again, I again, I'm just going to say that this looks like a win 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 trade on all fronts, to say the least. Like New York kind of avoided giving up like a whole lot to get Donovan Mitchell. And I know it is Donovan Mitchell that Knicks fans are probably punching the air right now. And they're like, holy crap, we could have had Spida. But the reality is that now he's on the Cavs and the Cavs had to give up whatever they had to. And, you know, Utah can still compete, I feel, the same way they would have. They make the playoffs their first round exit as usual. So. It's like nothing really changes in terms of the balance of the power. Yeah, Yash, before you jump in, um, I just want to say one quick thing. Like Sean was saying about the trade package, you know, comparing New York to Cleveland. I think the big win for Cleveland was that they didn't have to give up any of their young core. You know, they gave up Sexton, who I think actually was super overhated at the end of last year and has now become underrated because people were constantly criticizing what he was. And he didn't get signed, obviously, until literally today in the sign-in trade. But the fact that, that they didn't have to give up Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, or Jared Allen is a huge W for Cleveland. Um, and I know, you know, you give up Oche Akbaji, your first-round pick from this year, a great 3-and-D guy from Kansas. I don't think it's that big of a deal as long as you still have those three guys in there because they're creating somewhat of a big four. Obviously, right now, it might be, you know, a big two, big three with Donnie, Darius Garland, and Mobley. But I think Jared Allen and Mobley are going to, you know, elevate to that level in two to three years where it will become that kind of big four. If they're on the tra- trajectory that I think that they can go for, and this trade is already huge W for Cleveland um, because they didn't have to give up any of those core players. So just to address what Rohan was talking about, I actually think that you can call it a big four, or big five, and maybe even like a big six. That's just how deep the Cavs are. Obviously, like their six players aren't as good as like all um, as like Donovan Mitchell, but I just want to read you what their potential 10-man lineup would be and how deep this team can be. And it can compete with quite literally any roster in the Eastern Conference. Your starting lineup would be Darius Garland, Spida. You can either have Karis LeVert or Chetty Osmond starting in the small forward. You have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. That's a roster that has four all-stars in the starting lineup. 
coming off the bench, you have Ricky Rubio, who's going to be out until uh, December, January time, but then he's going to be back for the playoff push. We remember how good he was for the Cavs last year. You have Isaac Okoro, yet another young piece that the Cavs have been building up. And then you have the other one of Karis LeVert and Chetty Osman, whoever's not starting. Kevin Love, who is the vet in this role. Remember two years ago when he was on the Cavs and he like flicked that ball from the inbounds to the out of bounds, and he was just so damn frustrated with the organization. Two years later, now he's literally on a contending roster. I don't know if they're going to win a championship, but this is the best roster that Kevin Love has been on since obviously LeBron was there. And then around it all off, you have another vet in Robin Lopez. And Kevin Love and Robin Lopez obviously aren't what they used to be, but I think they're going to be a very good, solid veteran core for the young starting centers in Jared Allen and Evan Mobley to teach them the ropes, get make sure that they know what they're doing, especially if this team makes it into the deeper, um, deeper rounds in the playoffs. These two guys have that championship DNA. They have that experience that they, they can impart to, well, not just the centers, but the rest of the team. So to go back to Rohan's earlier question about where I think they're going to be in the playoff picture, based on the roster, I just read the depth that they have, the starting lineup and the backups. I, I expect this team to be top four in the Eastern Conference. I know it kind of seems crazy to say it right now because of what we think of the Cavs, what the Cavs have been, but the Bucks should be probably better than them because of Giannis, but they're not as deep as the Cavs are, but I do expect Giannis to be better than them. The Celtics will probably be better than them. And the Nets will probably be better than them. But I think the Sixers, the Heat, the Raptors are all in that tier where the Cavs should be able to jump over them in the standings and fight for home court advantage in the first round. And even if they don't, it's going to be really hard to beat this team unless you're like the Bucks or the Nets in a seven-game series, fully healthy, obviously. So that's why I really think that this team can make a push to the conference finals because that should be the ultimate goal. Well, obviously the ultimate goal should be a ring, but I think a very realistic goal this season can be a conference finals push if you sit down think about what this team can be a lot of this hinges on evan mobley taking a step forward because he was so great last year and you do need him to take that kind of smaller step towards stardom and this team can achieve so much their potential is literally sky high honestly like whatever you're saying right now is it's not half as crazy because we know how tight the east gets down the stretch um in those seedings like Literally, a team can be the sixth seed, and within a week towards the end of the season, they jump up to like the second seed. Grant, they go on a nice win streak and all that. So, honestly, the Cavs last year, if what we remember when the season first kind of started, they were like a top four seed for the most part, like almost in the first like quarter to a first half of the season. So, the thing for this team is just like, like what Yash was saying, like, Grant, you know, they have the depth, they stay healthy, and now you add Donovan Mitchell to that mix. He's the guy that's going to get them over the hump of closing out games towards the end of the year to get a higher seed, right? You know, that's the ultimate goal, I feel, um, for this team. And keep in mind, they did not have Colin Sexton, I feel, for entirety of last year, I believe. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't not, really remember. Not entirety, but it was like most of the season. Yeah, yeah basically. I mean, like he was. And they didn't, he was, they didn't have Ricky Rubio either. So they were basically playing yeah. like point guard. I mean, like Rohan would say, like both of them were non-factors to say the least <laughs> you're at the entire season but <laughs> literally yes but um yeah I mean like the thing is like yeah I mean like I think the Cavs it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to say the least like again like it's too early to say like oh this is where certain teams are gonna rank and stuff like that but again Yasha I felt like you have a pretty solid right now I think we're still overhyping the Nets a tad they always somehow disappoint us um year in and year out with Kyrie and KD so 
who knows? Maybe this year will be different, but I would not be surprised to see the Cavs. I don't want to get into Nets discussion now, but I feel like they're so hated that they're like underrated at this point. No, no, that's like that's exactly how much worse can the Nets be? You have Ben Ben, Simmons, Kyrie, and I keep forgetting Ben Simmons is a very good floor. You also got to remember. You also got to remember Joe Harris was out like most of the Yeah, I mean that is true, but he was a big part too. I'm not looking at the Nets like, oh boy, like Joe Harris is coming back. Like, oh boy, like watch out for Brooklyn next year. The problem with the Nets was they didn't have shooting and Joe Harris is a top three to five shooter in the league. 100%. I agree. Yeah, I agree. His efficiency and his like, he's he's phenomenal from three point range. But the thing is like, I just, I just need to see how it's going to work. Because I feel Kyrie, KD, like they've had such a crazy off season that it's just like, they're required to say the least, to average at least 25, you know, for the entire season, and every, every game, game in, game out. Also, so, like Nets, I think you got to think about, like, I the think injuries, the Nets. too. You know, like, KD and Kyrie, they're going to miss, I think, a minimum of 25 games each, honestly, at this point in their careers. You know, with Kyrie, there's always going to be something, but I think KD's body at this point, he's becoming, you know, what is he? He's going to turn 35 this year, and I think that at this point, it's kind of, you know, not unrealistic, but it is in a way like I don't expect him to play 82 games. I don't expect Kyrie to play 82 games. Um, obviously, yeah. we're going to see how Ben Simmons is, but on the defensive end, like he really needs to turn it up and honestly just show up in the game. First play a game. And the thing is, Ben Simmons could also maybe play the five. So that's going to be very interesting yeah. to see in Brooklyn. I, I, I've heard reports that he does plan to play the five. Mm-hmm. And genuinely, that might change Ben Simmons' career. I'm not one to like. <laughs> well, I mean, his career has changed whether done. he likes it or not. <laughs> But see, the thing is, like, if you think about Ben Simmons' career's trajectory, it can never be worse than it has been for, like, the last year. <laughs> People will never think of Ben Simmons lower than they think of him now. So all he has to do is be on the court and his status is elevated. If he plays half decent, people are like, we actually remember that this guy was, I think he was in the DPOY race, like, two to three years in a row. Yeah, he, so was. he, he is, was. When he's good, he was a finalist. He is a top-of-the-line player in the league, so... Elite playmate. I, I don't want to make this a Nets conversation like we've already done, but they have yeah. so much variance. I could see them not making the play in, but I could also see them being the one seed in the East. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, focusing on the East, and while we're still on this whole Donovan Mitchell trade stuff, I'm interested to see what do you guys have to say about the Knicks? Because I think that they can be a play-in team. They could probably sneak in the playoff picture. They definitely did disappoint last year, but I just feel like this seems like this team has talent on roster. Obviously, they went out, they got Jalen Brunson, overpaid him to say the least. But I really like R.J. Barrett. You know, I think that he deserved his contract extension. I think that it's everything that New York has been about, and he's set records for them. And I think that he's the youngest player to earn a $100 million contract with the Knicks or something like that. Um, so it's 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 honestly, like, going to be very, very interesting to see how New York kind of pans up. But, I mean, where, where do you guys kind of see New York fitting into this mix are they a playoff team? Are they not? I think they're a playing team. They can sneak into the playoff picture, to say the least. I don't know if they're going to make it out the first round again. It's very premature to say a lot of those things, but that's just where I see them. I can almost with certainty say that they're not getting out of the first round. Like I would put a lot of money on that. I don't even see them as a playoff team right now just because of how deep the East is. Like I read you guys those teams earlier. earlier. I think the top six teams in the East are conference finals contenders. And then you throw in like the Hornets, the Raptors, the Hawks, and then the Knicks in that category. And you have a lot of fluctuation in that play-in seed, play-in seed. So like seven to 10, 
But I think that is as high as the Knicks would ever be at like seven or maybe six if they have a crazy season. Me personally, unlike Sean, I'm not very high on RJ Barrett. I I think that he's too inefficient to be a franchise player. And the way the Knicks have constructed their roster and their organization, they don't have that one guy. I don't trust Julius Randle. I don't trust RJ Barrett. I don't trust Obi Toppin. It's just they don't have that guy to close out games, to go to when they need a bucket, to be clutch. It's just it's an amalgamation of like high potential young players, but none of them have really amounted to much. And that's not a knock on the players. That's more of a knock on the organization and their development. That's true. But I think until that's fixed, there's just not much hope for the Knicks. They had that one playoff series, but yeah, you know what happened? Well, I mean, I see, I agree. I've seen too. It was crazy. Yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying because there really is no clear cut number one on the team as a scoring option per se, but like, but like, I feel like that's why they've gone out and gotten Jalen Brunson. And by no means am I saying that this guy is going to be Brunson is not like, that guy. Bro. Yeah. I'm not saying he's going to be that guy. I'm saying that's what they expect him to be that guy. And it's like, may, may he surprise they us him this like year. He's that guy, but I mean, good for him. If he does happy yeah. for the Knicks, but I would just, I mean, I'm I, just I, saying, I can't like, bet on is, that. Yeah. just to counter on that. I, I mean, I agree. I don't think he is that guy, but just to counter, like he's on that kind of team where, you know, you see, guys who get paid a fat contract and they put up numbers on a, a bad team, but it doesn't equate to winning. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen with the Knicks. Cause like you guys were both saying, I don't really see an, an, a true alpha in this where it's like, you know, just give him the rock end of the game. He's going to put it in the bucket. He's going to make a play. Maybe not even with shooting, but he's going to make a play. I think they just have too much young talent, a lot of young guards where they're kind of like in this middle ground, kind of in a rebuild mode. Um, I don't think Julius Randle at I think he's one of the most overrated players in, in the league, honestly. And I think that last year, I think they've been that. trying to get rid of him for as long as I can. That's the thing. No one, like, no one wants that contract. They can't. Yeah, no one wants that contract. Crazy. I mean, I think if he was getting paid less, someone would take him, but no one wants that contract. Obviously they're trying to trade Cam Reddish, who kind of has been a disappointment. Since yeah. Cam Reddish wants out. Too. Like not a lot of people have been talking about that. And like, that's the thing. Like it's honestly, one of the storylines is going under the radar because the thing about Cam Reddish is that the heat, and the Lakers both kind of have interest in Cam Reddish, obviously, and he's seeking a bigger role than he has with the Knicks right now. And like, I think that really dates back a lot to like, you know, Tom Thibodeau and like how he's kind of running his system over there. Cause Cam Reddish obviously was kind of disgruntled with his role during the season too. So I feel like now it's kind of become like an open secret that he wants out of New York. And I don't blame him, especially after the Donovan Mitchell trade, but there was a lot of buzz that a Donovan Mitchell trade to New York would spark a three team trade involving either the Heat or the Lakers, it would be interesting because if it did involve the Heat, it would not involve the Knicks because the Heat wanted Donovan Mitchell. In the contrary, though, the Lakers, sure, who wasn't who wouldn't want Donovan Mitchell, but their three-team trade would have sent Cam Reddish to L.A. and Donovan Mitchell to New York. Obviously, none of those happened. It was just a straight swap between Cleveland and Utah. So it's going to be interesting. I think it's going to be obviously – a single pursuit for Cam Reddish. It's just going to be like, what can the Lakers kind of give up? Um, I would, I, I don't know if it would be a surprise if they were to offer Russell Westbrook, but everything that they've been saying has been like, Russell Westbrook's going to be on this team next year. Um, and I know despite the Patrick Beverly trade, like everybody's like, okay, like Russ is probably not going to be in the building now anymore. But again, LeBron's tweeted out kind of reassuring, like, hey, Russ is going to be here. Darvin Ham, their new head coach, is literally making lineups of Russ and Patrick Beverly side by side in the backcourt or whatever, however he's going to be playing them. So 
it kind of looks like the Lakers roster is set. I think that the fact that they went out and got Patrick Beverly was kind of good to say the least. I mean, they, they, again, like how Yash was kind of talking about the Nets earlier, like you really can't get worse than they were last year. Same thing with the Lakers, right? You missed the playoffs. You have LeBron, you have Anthony Davis, you have Russell Westbrook. It's like, you can at least make the playoffs, right? So now they went out and got Patrick Beverly. Like that's a guy that's really going to push every single person in that locker room to their fullest potential and hold himself accountable as well. I feel like he kind of brings like a Jimmy Butler esque mentality, except he talks a lot more, which is, which can be good at times because he can really back it up. He's a great defender. Um, By no means does he need to be an offensive scoring juggernaut at all. So, and I don't think the Lakers are going to require him to do that with a LeBron and AD on the team. Well, I kind of disagree here because like, I agree that, um, that Patrick Beverly brings that out in his teammates. But my thing would be that if his teammates who are playing with LeBron James don't already have that fire in in them because they're playing with LeBron, what is Patrick Beverly going to bring out in them that LeBron freaking James and Anthony Davis can't? That's like a separate point. But my main thing with this trade is the biggest problem to me with the Lakers of last year was that they didn't have shooting. They had no spacing. Russ was not a shooter. LeBron is becoming a shooter. He was probably one of their better shooters, but if LeBron's your shooter, we know how that went. Anthony Davis, the days he was in the lineup, he wasn't playing um, or he wasn't shooting well. And when he wasn't in the lineup, he was obviously not helping them on the court. Patrick Beverly's not a great shooter. By all means, he is he not a bad shooter either. He has to be someone that you like, you'll respectably guard meaning that you'll probably like help off of him. But at the same time, you do have to put a hand up. You can't just let him get uncontested threes like a Ben Simmons, obviously. It doesn't solve all of their spacing problems. And I think that as good as he is defensively and that tenacity that he brings, the Lakers have that archetype in their system already. I think Russ brings very similar things. Even LeBron himself has very similar tendencies. And to me, that was not the type of player that they needed to really change what the problems were from last year, but hopefully he can like fix some of the other things, but the Lakers really do need to overhaul some more things, including a future Russell Westbrook trade, which I think should, and I do expect it to happen before the season starts. Yeah. She also got to remember though, like last season, the Lakers lost a lot of their great perimeter defenders, right? Alex Crusoe, KCP, Danny Green, right? Those guys are we're all kind of three and D guys in a way. Obviously, um, you know, Crusoe wasn't known for shooting the rock. Danny Green obviously was a great three-point shooter, but all three of those guys were great perimeter defenders. And I think they lost a lot of that. So I think Patrick Beverly will help with that, but I do definitely agree with you. There's Absolutely. just not enough, not enough scoring on this team right now. Um, and I think that, you know, you get Lonnie Walker, a pretty good playmaker, decent score, but I don't really think that moves the needle. This team is literally just banking on a better Russ. Darvin Ham thinks he can scheme up Russ in a better way. Um, you know, let Russ cook, you know, in a way, obviously not to bring a football reference in this. But, uh, <laughs> I in was a way, like, what? <laughs> let Russ cook in a way. But I think that if if Anthony Davis is not this team's best player, the Lakers are going nowhere. I wouldn't be surprised if they missed the playoffs again. You know, even though they dealt with so many injuries and they, you know, they had sort of an excuse for missing it. I just don't think LeBron at this point can carry a team. He's damn near 39 years old. And that's no knock on LeBron. It's nothing against him. But it's just father time. Your body is going to, you know, it, you just can't carry a team like you, like he's done in the past. And Anthony Davis is like smacked out of the middle of his prime, 29 years old, obviously a very injury prone guy, but if he can become like bubble Anthony Davis or, you know, even New Orleans, Anthony Davis, just how he played in that 2020 championship, 
or how he played in New Orleans, if he can take over the game, and I expect him to, I think he's a good. I I have a lot of criticism for AD whenever he doesn't play well, and you guys know that. But he's uh, that talented of a player where I think he's gonna have a bounce back year. And the Lakers so desperately need that. Otherwise, this team isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, I think that ever since the Lakers acquired Anthony Davis, it's literally been like they're going to go as far as he can kind of take them. as like a second uh, – well, not even a second option. Honestly, as a first option, quite frankly, because like LeBron's going to be LeBron every single year. You're going to expect him night in, night out to put up numbers all season long too. I expect nothing less from him. And, you know, Anthony Davis, again, he just needs to stay healthy. And if Russell Westbrook kind of revert back to like – his old ways of just maybe taking smarter shots and just not always trying to play hero basketball, then this Laker team can kind of, you know, at least make the playoffs. That's, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say that they're going to be, Oh, title contenders and this and that, because the West, unlike the East, there's a big fine line difference between like those top two, three seeds and then the four or five, six spot and the seven, eight and so on and so forth. So they're definitely going to be at the bottom of, of, the West to say the least. And I fully expect them to avoid a play in spot, but again, it's just like, what, like, are they even going to make it out of the first round? And quite frankly, I can't confidently say that right now based on how the West looks overall. So it's just, it's going to be obviously interesting to say the least, but I mean, any, any closing thoughts from you guys on these trades? I just want to know, are you, you're fully confident that the Lakers can make it out of the play in? Like that's a lot of confidence. Like I, I wouldn't. I think. I mean, I I think. I think so. You know what? Like I'll say it right now. Like I think that yeah, they're they're they'll make the playoffs. The Lakers will make the playoffs. Like I mean, like I just I can't imagine like two years in a row. Like come on, like there's no way. I, I absolutely can because, like, I, I think Russell Westbrook is washed. He's done. Like, his athleticism. I don't is think he's washed. I'll take back. you up on an argument on that. I don't think Russell okay, Westbrook's washed. I, I get it. I You're think a that, Russ fan. No, no, but I think that, see, don't get me wrong. Is Russ on the right team? No. Should the Lakers trade him? Absolutely. Yes. Indubitably. Yes. Like, but, but if he goes to another team, like, I genuinely believe if Russell Westbrook was like on the Orlando Magic, or like, or like back to the Houston Rockets, or maybe even in OKC to say the least, like, again, like he would thrive there because those teams aren't contending and he would still be a great player. But like, like Rohan was kind of saying earlier about like guys like Jalen Brunson or guys on the Knicks, they're going to put up numbers. It's just not going to lead to wins. By no means am I going to say that Russell Westbrook, I think I've made my peace with the fact that Russell Westbrook may never win a ring. All right. That's just the reality of it. I don't think that he is even like the best team player in basketball. He's not. I've witnessed it for so freaking long that, you know, OKC, you know, they traded James Harden away in favor of Russ and Durant. They had a fair share of success. They could have gone to the finals, choked a 3-1 lead to your beloved Golden State Warriors, which I will never get over. Um KD left. Fine. He jumped ship. Three one lead right after that. Yeah, but that's the, that's the thing though. But KD also jumped ship after that, right? Because he's like, you know what? I can't. I can't stick it out with Russ no more. I just can't work with them. Maybe. Then Russ was with Paul George. It was some nice times. I felt like at but you know first round exit. I think it was a Donovan Mitchell in his rookie season. That's ugly. We had Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and Russ Westbrook that season. We lost a Donovan, a rookie Donovan Mitchell in the first round. So we're starred Donovan Mitchell. Well, yeah, superstar, rookie yes, superstar Donovan Mitchell. Uh, who knew Who knew that that man would be a Cleveland Cavalier? Yep. See, like, I wish that he was on the Cavs then, then because we wouldn't have had to deal with the first-round exit, maybe. So, who knows? But, I mean, my point is... Way. 
we would have we would have lost in the second round probably to say the least but again my whole point is I think that Russell Westbrook obviously is I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue the fact that is he is he on the right team or the wrong team but I still think that he can play so like you know coming to mind like how you just said like oh is a rust trade gonna happen I don't know because it's the same thing like we were talking about Julius Randle as well does anybody really want him or the contract that comes with him and it's really looking ugly that who is gonna want Russ and what are they gonna give up and I feel like Someone's going to have to buy him out, I think. if he That's not going to happen. A buyout's for sure not going to happen. But but I feel like the Pacers could honestly be an option with, like, Buddy Heald. I feel like that's a nice swap for the Lakers. Like, they get Buddy Heald, and, you know, they figure out a little bit more of their spacing situation, and they get shooters. Um, Obviously, they're trying to go out and get Cam Reddish right now. By no means do I think that's going to net a Russell Westbrook trade. Um, Just seems – too good to be true i feel on both ends because maybe the lakers are trying to get rid of him and the knicks are like oh sure we'll take we'll take another superstar in our hands because why not and pay him a little extra so i i don't i don't know i mean like i just feel like like that's not going to happen but maybe if the pacers uh allow that to happen and they're like uh maybe we can put tyrese on hold for another season or two as a ball handler and let russ kind of do his thing for a season or two in indy and just see how that pans out then sure, maybe that could happen. But I, I just feel like right now off the top of my head, I just don't see a rust trade happening. I, agree. I just say that because, like, I just don't think Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly can coexist, knowing their mm-hmm. beef, knowing the history between them. 100%, I think yeah. it would be even more toxic to try to make it work out because of the yeah. in-lock problems rather than the on-court yeah. problem. LeBron yeah. seems pretty uh, hell-bent on making it work, though, right? I think... I and the thing point, is, Ron also thought that remember 360, that nickname that they came up with, <laughs> them, that their cell, that yeah, thing yeah. out. So, no, but as much as the thing, right, but it's still LeBron's team. Like, he signed the extension. I think oh, he's gonna have, believe me, we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not saying it's not, yeah, we're not saying it's not LeBron's team, but I think that, yeah, we, we're, we're not saying that, but like, I think that also going back to like what I was saying about like how like Patrick Beverly can like bring out the fire, blah, 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 like based on what Yash is saying, like, obviously, yeah, you're on LeBron's team. Like, what, what is it that Patrick Beverly is going to bring out of this team that LeBron can't, right? And I just feel that it brings out urgency, especially out of Russell Westbrook, because I think Russ is finally in a position where, look, all of last season, even during the season, there really was no, like, stuff about, oh, we should trade Russ, we should trade Russ. It was more of, like, Russ is not good. Let's bench him, blah, 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 right? But now the season ended, all the rust trade rumors ramped up all off season long, obviously nothing transpired. Now you go and get Patrick Beverly. It just sends the message that look, if things start going South, it's Russell Westbrook. That's going to be on his way out. And I think that Russ understands that he's basically on the hot seat in LA that, yeah, it is going to be a little bit toxic to make things work out between him and Patrick Beverly. But I think what Patrick Beverly is going to bring out that LeBron can't is I don't know how to explain it, but it's more of like, like during a game, Patrick Beverly is going to cuss you out and won't care in the moment. LeBron probably does that in private. I've seen him probably a few times. LeBron's probably been pretty pissed off, right? Like on the sidelines to say the least, but he seems more of like a passive aggressive kind of character. Patrick Beverly, you're literally going to vocally see this guy cuss you out on live TV and there's nothing you can do about it. And I feel like that is what you kind of get out of Pat Bev that you're not going to get a LeBron that athletes or whatever players on the roster, maybe they'll respond differently to that kind of, you know, approach to the, to the team and it's court. So I don't know. I mean, like, but again, I think that if any, if anyone's going to be pushed the most this year, it's definitely going to be Russell Westbrook. 
Definitely, definitely. Just to wrap, just to wrap it up, I'm just glad we never have to hear, you know, THT in 2027 is a <laughs> package for the Lakers. Um, and then obviously, you know, back to Donnie, you know, I know I, it sounds like I hate Donnie, but you guys know he's one of my favorite players. I, I think he will eventually be a superstar. I just hope he's in the right environment now. Got a Donnie yeah. jersey hanging out on my wall. So, you know, hopefully a Cleveland one coming up soon too. Just one thing I want to wrap up on the Lakers. I know we talked about them a lot, but one thing we didn't <laughs> mention was Mr. Anthony Data Davis. He is that kind of missing wild card piece that if he's injured yet again, it doesn't matter who they trade Russell Westbrook yeah. for. It doesn't matter how that good That is LeBron. true. Yes. Yeah. 100%. At the end of the day, this man doesn't play a season, like at least a good chunk of the season. At least and half. I'm at least at half. Game, I'm more looking at his half. game played. I think you need more than half. He hasn't he played like more than 75%. 60 games in four seasons he played 40 last year 36 the year before that so he needs to just be on the floor and be good on the floor even last year he was on the floor for a good chunk of the beginning of the season wasn't great for that and then he picked it up and then got injured again so if he's unhealthy then like all of this lakers talk is just kind of moot point because yeah we we're not the best they need him to be good i'm not even gonna lie to you guys like i hate to say it but like based on what we were just talking about the Lakers, like granted the season goes the same way that we, we probably envision it to possibly go again. I, I have them going to the playoffs, but again, if let's just say if Russ is the same, Patrick Bradley obviously is not going to progress this team by any means offensively. And if Anthony Davis is injured, like literally the Utah jazz will be better than the Lakers this year. Like that's literally what, what it's going to look like at this point. If that happens, the Lakers franchise just hey, might have to move out of Los nah, Angeles. Bro, Utah's <laughs> full on tanking. They're going for a Weminyama. No, but it's not even that. I mean, like Utah actually has a pretty solid team, though. I, I feel I like think, I think they're gonna. Really, I, I think. I mean, I think that U, Utah. I think Utah has. Wait, sorry, what was that? I think the Spurs are tanking more than anybody else. Like, they, yeah, the oh yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. I was, I was just about to say, like Utah. Utah looks like they have a better team than OKC, Houston. Um, Ooh, I don't know about OKC. And, you think they have a better team than OKC? Yeah, I mean, come on, bro. Chet's injured now. Like, I'm just like, I'm just like, great. I think, Here we go I think they're again. gonna. Like, I think they're gonna unload all their veterans. I think Conley, uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah, they are, but but Clark. it doesn't. Like even then, like they have like they have a decent enough team that I feel like they got they got guys that can get buckets and go off from night to night. And I feel like Colin Sexton's gonna see like a little bit of a rejuvenation in his career, to say the least. I agree. Um, you know, like it's like one guy, you know. Yeah, who knows? But it's going to be interesting how how that kind of pans out over there. But yeah, I mean, the maybe, maybe if wild. they don't tank for Weminyama, they're dumb because he's a generational prospect. But I think like Yash was right, San Antonio is tanking good. harder than anyone else. I, I think yeah. the Jazz are just too good because we I yeah think how good Con Sexton is. Y'all remember that game against the Nets where yeah. he just straight up played Kyrie yeah. and Kevin Durant, fifty eight or sixty two points. I forgot yeah. what it was. I think it was a fifty piece. It was a it was a it was 50 a fifty eight yeah. fifty eight points or something in overtime, like or double triple overtime, something like that. I don't double remember or triple the details of the game, but I do remember that that was oh my when god, he showed the world that he was a baller, baller. And he was not. And we talked missing. about like Jalen Brunson just scoring on like a bad team <laughs> just as easily be yeah. that guy who's averaging like 25 oh, on like i could see that 21 team i'm saying he, he was so hated at the end of this season that he's become underrated again so i'm um, i think i agree he will you know he's, he's gonna ball on utah i just don't know if it'll be enough 100 percent. but I hope yeah 
I mean, we'll see. But that's all that we got for you guys today. I mean, obviously, great having Yash back on. And I guess like trades and blockbuster trades like this really bring us all together in sports world and stuff like that. So it's super, super awesome. I know the NBA season, still a little bit more time to go over there, but obviously we have the NFL season coming up. That's going to keep us occupied and probably Yash is going to continue with his jokes all season long, probably teasing us like, oh yeah, I'm going to join the podcast today, but that's probably not going to happen, but we'll, we'll see. Hey, but I'm at least watching the NFL this year. Good. I mean, good. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Hey, if Yash joins a podcast, like an NFL podcast this year, I think that that will be the biggest off season move of all. <laughs> like I'm talking to top Russell Wilson to the Broncos, Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs, like uh, it tops all those moves. Yeah, she got to watch it. Hey, if I join an NFL pod, we got to get an MLB pod going. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I mean, you know what? You guys go ahead and manage that. I will, fuck, <laughs> I will like endorse you. My bad. I was about to say something. I will endorse it. We'll, we'll fuck, we'll publicize it on the panelist page, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's all that we got for you guys today. Stay tuned for more at the panelist.pod. Sharma Chandan signing off with Rohan Ranjan and Yash Doshi.